If you're the kind of dad who has his mind on his money and his money on his mind, but no money in his wallet, then this is the podcast for you. This is Bad to the Dad with Coach Randy and Adam D. We are the podcast that celebrates suburban dad life, and we are so glad that you've decided to join us, the listener, on this podcast. It's great to be here today. That's Coach Randy that you just heard. Hey. My name is Adam D. Adam D. And we are your MCs and Mater Ds for this fine program. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great, Adam D. I'm actually doing great. It's been a good week. Uh... My wife and uh, Michaela have been on spring break, well, uh, and of course too. we had the uh, Passover seders, and frankly, thank you. What a fantastic meal. Yeah, yeah we had the Nathans over, as well as you it, know, a handful it, of other, about 15 other people. Enjoyable. It was, it was enlightening. It was learned, and uh, what a great feel. Just I love your family. I feel like it was an episode of Bad to the Dad, <laughs> Seder style. <laughs> Seder style. Because we were kind of going back and forth with uh, our own shtick. We, and... we have a hard time turning that stuff off. Yes. But that's, that's what makes it such a pleasure being around you. you keeping are, it fun. Keeping it fun. So thank you. Yeah, and you know, we uh, want to wish a happy Passover and of course a happy Easter happy to Easter. our listeners. Absolutely. Yep. We know that this podcast will probably be loaded <laughs> after you're celebrating, but uh, you know, we hope you had an enjoyable holiday, whatever you're celebrating, and we hope you did it safely. Very nice. We have some business we need to we take do. care of. And, yes. You know, of course, uh, Becky Berman. Love her. Of, Love her. Of Berman Branding. Uh, BermanCS.com. Uh, I uh, had the wildest thing happen this week with Berman Branding. Uh, as you know, I speak. And yeah, I was in Briarcliff. Yes, uh, I was in Briarcliff, uh, middle school, high school. And I'm talking to a woman who brought me in. We have about 70 coaches coming in. And she starts talking to me. I always push bad of the dad. Whenever I can, bad of the dad, bad of the dad. Cause I, I'm You're taking it. it to the people, would you say? I'm taking it to the people. Taking bad to the dad of the people. I think we've got something great here. We're getting a lot of downloads. We need more likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the woman says to me, ah, oh, bad of the dad. She goes, I think I've heard of bad of the dad. And I'm like, oh, getting on inside my head. And she goes, yeah, the, the consultant I use, her husband was on your show. I said, really? Who is that? She goes, uh, Berman. Becky Berman. Yeah, and of course like, we had Ari Berman on. That's right. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, Berman Brandy. She goes, yeah, I use her as much. She goes, and as a matter of fact, here's my website. This is what I do. Becky was awesome. She was great. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Folks out there, I have a testimonial from someone out there who's in the financial industry who needed help with her website, her design. It's a fantastic, it was a fantastic connection. And lo and behold, there she was talking about Berman Branding, BermanCS.com. And Ari, of course, was on Runs Dead It In. Episode 5, I believe. I believe that's what it was. Yeah. So Becky Berman, of course, designed our logo, the Bad to the Dad logo that you see on all of the downloadable, podcastable and now, arenas. Hey, and now we have marketing pieces. Now we have keychains. Yes, we do have keychains. Yes. So and we, you know, we're going to add that to our swag section our of our website. Section. So speaking of which, yeah, visit us at badtothedad.com where you can see photos of our guests. You can see what's happening in the background. Of course, the merch store with the t-shirts and the sweatshirts. But we're going to add the famous keychain now. Famous. It's all of uh, one week. But it's multifunctional. It's multifunctional. You can hold your keys on the your ring. keys on the ring. And open a bottle. 
which is always important because you always need a bottle opener. Always. I've found that. It's, you always need you're a bottle opener. Always in this situation, honey, how do I get this bottle open? Well, here's my keychain. Bad to the dead. Bottle opener keychain. And it looks right. It's cool. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm giving some away. I know we want to uh, do a little marketing piece. We want to give some of our money out to a nice little charity. I think it's a great idea. So here's what we're going to do. If you yeah. if you want a keychain, if you want a keychain, we're going to do some good in the wor- world and we're going to do some well. Mm-hmm. So for $3, $3, we're going to send you a keychain. For a cup of coffee now. Yeah. For less well, than Starbucks. I was going to say, somewhere in between Starbucks yeah. and maybe somewhere between Star- Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. probably like a Tim Hortons. Yes. Okay. For the cup of a... T- Price of a Tim Hortons cup of coffee, you can get a keychain. One dollar. One dollar. Every sale is gonna go. Of the Bad to the Dead keychain will go to a men's health charity. How's yes, that I like that, man. Maybe yeah. prostate. Well, okay. Testicular maybe, maybe we'll go, cancer? Testicular, I think, would, would I like be, that one. Would be much better. Because I think it's a good you know, idea. men are quite attached to that that region. That part of their their, their Netherlands. Yes. Yeah, the Netherlands, as you say. You keep talking about Holland. I love Holland. Yeah, well. They Holland, make nice shoes. Holland is nothing bad. <laughs> I love their chocolate, but in any event. So that's the website. That's the keychain. That's the charity we're promoting. And, of course, we are on Instagram, at Bad to the Dad, which features all pictures Everything and Everything across them all, it's all Bad yep. to the Dad. Twitter, Facebook, all Bad to the Dad. It, it's all good fun. So we've got a, I always say we have an exciting guest. We have a great guest. We don't bring on crappy guests. No, I don't think so. We bring on great dads mm-hmm. who have great livings, great lives, offer us great insight. And i got to tell you, it's a highlight of my week. Yeah, this is what yeah. I look forward to. Yeah, you know, Sunday morning recording session, and this is a very important show. So we've had the music dad, yeah. we've had the education dad, mm-hmm. we've had the fantasy sports dad, etc. We've never had the financial dad. No, and we need a financial. Career. And I think that is that's so critical to teach our kids about responsible savings, mm-hmm. responsible spending. Mm-hmm. Um, our guest today, who is Harris Knightick, good friend of ours. Very good friend of he's, ours. He's talented. written a book. He has he's written, written a book. book. You know, Common Sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Common Sense Financial. But we'll get the we'll get the right name of the of the book uh, when uh, Harris comes on the broadcast. But, uh, you know, teaching our kids, especially those who are entering the work world, mm-hmm. about saving for your retirement, which is probably the last thing that is on their mind when they get a <laughs> I job. I want so badly to... To, to, to save uh, for my retirement. Heck, save for college. Heck, save for safe sake. Yeah. Um, and he's going to he's gonna help us out. So common common financial sense, which is, is not common, right, to kind of quote Mark Twain. Yes. And he wrote it with another guy named uh, Greg Makowski, Ooh. both certified financial planners. So they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And these two gentlemen are very well respected in our community. And I so. had the pleasure, you know, Harris did reach out because I've written... You know, a, a couple books, and uh, he did reach out and ask me some questions in terms of how do you go about it and publishing and things like that. And so I was, I was really pleased, and it was really, uh, really kind of him to reach out to me for some direction. I'm really proud. Uh, and the hard, the hardest part is not writing the book. Yeah. That is not the it's hardest the part. Marketing. It's, it's not, and it's getting, getting someone, sold. someone actually paying money yeah. for a book. So, yeah. absolutely. So speaking of money and jobs, do you remember the first job you ever had, Randy? Uh, well, yeah, I do. I, I worked for my, my grandfather's and dad's business. Yeah. And, and what was that and what were you doing? It was called Empire Audio oh. Video. And it was, a uh, started off as, my grandfather started off as a repair shop to fix things. That, that's what he did in the war. He fixed vacuum cleaners and then, of course, transistor radios. Then he evolved over the course of time. It was a precursor to what we now have as these big behemoths of, of Best Buy. Mm-hmm. And I started working down there when I was young, uh, 12, 13. And I would go and sweep the floors 
mop, do whatever. So that was my first job. My first job outside the family, I worked for a, a catering company called La Petite Gourmet out of Denver, Colorado. Oh, wow. You must have had stories about La Petite. Oh, man. Some good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's an episode in itself. Some funny stuff. Yeah. Well, give us a tease. Tease? Uh, well, um, at the time, it was the number one catering company in Colorado. Um, and there was a predominantly large group of individuals from the gay community. Mm. Uh, and uh, I was in high school, and so I was introduced uh, to wonderful people. And it never really mattered to me. Uh, loved, I loved the job. Jim Connor uh, was the owner. And a lot of my business ideas and thoughts come from him in terms of what you, what you put forward. But there was another individual who was there who was just, I now know the kind of person he was. And he, he was just, the, they, they, they taught me such a responsibility. They were dignified. That when you show up, you give them the best show. Mm-hmm. Everything from your fingernails being right to how your your pants are supposed to look. Uh, I love the job. Worked for them for six years. Wow. Okay. That was quite a run. Yeah. How about you? My first job, I was a junior in high school. Yeah. And I was a videographer's apprentice. All right. I had a couple of gigs with this uh, videographer. We mm-hmm. worked out of his home. And you know, one thing I've learned is when you have your first job, you know, you have your real parents, yes, and then you have your first professional, professional par- yeah. parents, good, and that's where you learn mm-hmm. how to run a business and work ethic mm-hmm. and all that, and, and the values of, of working. Mm-hmm. So my first paying job, again, videographer's apprentice, and I worked for this guy named Morty Shabbat. Morty Shabbat. Morty Shabbat. So was he Jewish? You, uh, just a touch. <laughs> well, no, Morty. Morty was. Um, he was a former drill instructor in the Israeli Defense. Force. Oh my gosh. So he was naturally intense. He was a nutcracker. And um, <laughs> lovely guy. Yeah. Really knew videography. Like, you know, your former employer yeah. wanted to put on the best show yeah. and provide the best service. Mm-hmm. But uh, I tell you, if if one thing was out, you know, uh, a nano hair, mm-hmm. uh, you would hear about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it would always be like, did you plug in the batteries? <laughs> you, plug in the, you plug them in, but you not turn them out, so you did nothing. You did nothing, Adam. This is the, you know... Now I have no uh, I have no batteries and then this is what the, this is what we're going to do and I have to go to the backup batteries and these were you know the batteries for video cameras yes you know were like they were giant, like ginormous like two pounds it's going to take a long time now to charge and now I do not have the batteries yes so I learned about the details you plug in you turn up I thought you knew this you know uh, you know I hired you I thought you knew this so, that's a wonderful Israeli accent I gotta tell you. That that voice. Whenever I feel like I'm not on my game, that yes, is the voice, the voice that comes into your head. It says, "Step it up, Adam. Yes. Step it up." Yeah. And uh, you know, Morty was a, a very unapologetic boss, and, yeah. and we did um, bar mitzvahs where you know how they have these uh, photo booths and what have you. Mm-hmm. Well, back then in the uh, in the early '90s. Mm-hmm. You could do your own music video. Yeah. So, like, I would either work this the switcher, mm-hmm. right, which is the control panel yeah. that brought in all the effects mm-hmm. and you know uh, created all these um, you know wild spinning angles and images, yeah. and and yeah. he would be on the camera, and sometimes we we'd switch. Yeah. Uh, and then of course we did weddings, which were kind of standard. Right? Yes. So I would just be his apprentice. I'd run and get the batteries. Mm-hmm. I would do the lighting. I would do a microphone if mm-hmm. a microphone a boom microphone if boom that was light. necessary. Yeah. But these bar mitzvahs were a trip, because this was back when you could smoke anywhere. And a lot of Israelis smoke, because Israel is essentially like a European country. Yes, yes. And remember this guy? I'm on the camera in these bar mitzvahs doing Uh these crazy videos, and I'm Uh walking around doing weird angles. And he's there on the switcher, and he's got one hand pushing buttons. (laughs) And he's smoking. And and flipping the levers, and the other (laughs) hand smoking. And And the ashes are just just flying. Ashes, you didn't care about ashes. And... 
Like, I'm sure some parents thought there was a smoke machine <laughs> as an effect for some of these videos, but yes. it was actually Morty just taking a drag and puffing, and then you see this this whiff of smoke. Oh, so here funny. I am, this yeah. nervous teenager, trying to get it right. I'm on the switcher with two hands yes. when it was my job, yeah. and I'm pushing buttons and, and crisscrossing and just trying yeah. to make it work. And he's there... <laughs> <laughs> One hand, he had the whole thing figured out. He could figure it out with his left hand blindfolded. It was amazing. I learned a lot from Morty. You know, That's he was funny. certainly a unique character and a, and a different kind of boss, but that was sort of my welcome to work moment, and uh, I, I thank him graciously for that experience. You know, I think that's great in terms of what we're talking about today, in terms of, uh, you know, the bank of dad. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the importance of getting the first job. Um, and, I, and I think it's important we all have our kids have the first job. And as you were talking about that and sharing your story about Morty, uh, I remember Jim O'Connor, the owner of La Petite, would always talk to me. He was he was down to earth. He drove a Porsche 911 Carrera, right? <laughs> uh, he was cool. He was That's hip. not the most looking. humble vehicle in the world, right? And, you know, that was a car I wanted to drive. And uh, when, you know, okay. He let me drive. The, the clutch is hard on the Porsche. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember talking about what I wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, I, 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 at the time, I wanted to be a teacher and, and high school baseball coach, which is an admirable job. And he would say to me, he goes, I think that's beneath you. I'm like, but how can you say that? He goes, no, no, not that I don't think. I think teachers are very important. I goes, I think you have the potential to be X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen here, I really think you can be uh, anything. And he even talked about being an entrepreneur. At the time, I was so focused on, you know, lawyer, doctor, you know, or, or teacher. It never concerned to me. And, you know, you fast forward X number of years. Now it's 30 years. Uh, and I would love to go back to Jim and say, Jim, look what I've got. You know, look who I am. And a lot of stuff that he taught me was who I am today in terms of why I treat my business and what I do. And this goes to show you in terms of our kids the importance we want to have our kids to get a job, yeah. understand money, and then be able to move forward. So I want to thank you for that that quick little memory. But, but it's interesting how we had very differentiating kind of experiences. Mm -hmm. So you got a motivational speech. Yeah. Someone who was really trying to pump you up. Yeah. I got tough love. Tough love, yeah. But it essentially got us to the same direction. Mm -hmm. You got, you can be so much more. And mm -hmm. I got, you did not do this right. <laughs> and if you do it right, then you could be uh, something. But right now you're nothing because you, <laughs> you did nothing. You did nothing. But I will always remember that, that, that quality is job one, like Ford used to say. You, know, you, you have to focus and you yep. have to have that attention to detail mm -hmm. because it could uh, totally screw up your wedding video. It could. Harris Nydick is on his way. We are bad to the dead. This is Bad to the Dad with Coach Randy and Adam D. We are the podcast that celebrates suburban dad life. Important episode, as we mentioned earlier in the show today, Randy. It's called The Bank of Dad. The Bank of Dad. Financial responsibility, especially if you're a dad, you know, for your own sake, but then, of course, passing on financial sensibility to our kids has become so much more important because we're living in a much more expensive world, mm -hmm. not just because the price of everything is going up, but there is more to spend your money on. Exactly. So, and when your kids call wanting money, there's more yeah. money that they want. And what? And why do they want that money? For yeah. assorted things that you know probably you and I didn't need or didn't even think about Band when sneakers, we were kids. Yeah. iPods, iPhones, iWatches. All, all the technology. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's becoming a much more expensive world. But here to help us make sense of that and more is our good friend Harris Nydick. Uh, Harris is the co-author of the book Common Financial Sense. And we're 
really excited to learn more about that book and, and what Harris does. So, Harris, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon. How are you? And good, good evening in case if I miss you. That's correct. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good to have you on the program. So, Thank Harris, you. first, um, tell us a little bit about your background, what you do, where you work, and, and sure. your, your, your credentials. Um, I'm co-founding, a managing member of an independent registered investment advisory firm here in New Jersey. Uh, I'm new at, at this, just got started. I've uh, been doing about 35 years, so I'm still <laughs> learning. I'm, I'm a student at every day. I uh, try to wake up every day trying to learn something new, and that's the most exciting uh, part about what we do every day is different and we get to meet very very interesting people do very very interesting things for them and really make a difference in people's lives yeah so you said you're learning every day after 35 years and and we say that kind of tongue-in-cheek but it but it's true so the government makes us learn every day because the the, the statutes and uh, and the tax changes uh, keep on coming so we have to be astute in that area and uh, as I mentioned uh, in your intro uh, life gets complicated, so the whole idea of managing your your money and doing it right, um, you know, is another challenge, and you have to guide people on that. Absolutely, life gets challenging very, very quickly, especially when you talk about uh, government regulations and, and rule changes. Last year, uh, a huge tax change occurred. Mm -hmm. First major tax change, if you read the press, it said first major tax change since 1986, the Tax Reform Act of 1986. But in fact, it wasn't so at all. There have actually been 15 other tax changes in between, except they affected things like estates mm -hmm. and 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 and, thing, mm -hmm. and inheritance stuff. And and and, and the reason why. Congress is easy to be able to manipulate and change those rates is because there are no dead Republicans and there are no dead Democrats. <laughs> dead people don't vote. So therefore, <laughs> therefore, they are going to change the rules yeah. on, on, the, on, on the stuff on the fringes. It's the stuff at the center mm -hmm. that's very, very difficult to change. So who are your customers? Well, we have we 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 have uh, client relationships uh, in two specific areas. We do a lot of work in the four hundred one k and four hundred three b arena, and then on the other side, we also help a lot of uh, you know uh, high net worth and soon to be high net worth uh, individuals, family businesses, uh, help them sort out uh, their financial affairs uh, as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it is interesting, Adam. There are three taboos in American society. All right. There are three things that you will go out on a Saturday night with your friends. They will talk about anything. There are three things they will not talk about. Okay. Okay. They're not going to talk about uh, money. No. They're not going to talk about sex. And they're not going to talk about death. Unless and, you're with me, we always talk about sex. But religion but. and politics, that's, that's on the table. You're never going to talk about those three subjects. Mm -hmm. I guarantee it. And if you're going to succeed in our field, you have to confront two, of those, two out of those three Very, subjects yeah. on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, uh, you don't get the good one. Listen, I, I am no expert in financial management such as you. But I would think if you confronted all three, I think the sexual piece might put you over the top. Well... It would be a differentiator. A I, I was told this was a family show, so well, it was <laughs> until about 30 seconds ago. I'm going to pass on that comment. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But the fact the fact is, is people, if you're going to talk about future planning, well, how, how uh, the big question is, is how much am I going to need to re yes. when I retire? How much yeah. money am I going to need? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, well, the first logical response is, well, tell me how long you're going to live. Oh, People shut down immediately, kick the can down the road. They just don't want to deal with the subject. And that is one of the major emotional aversions mm -hmm. to doing the retirement planning in the first place. Yeah. There are others, but that's a major aversion. You know, and so we're, we're going to get to all those great pieces, particularly your book. But I'm curious to know, how does one become the financial guy? Is that something you always wanted to be when you grew up? I mean, what was it? Well, I, I think financial, good financial advisors um, are made. They're not born. Okay. I think if we think about when we were little kids... 
um, you know, if we were all going to grow up to be what we thought we were when we were in kindergarten and first grade, we would be a nation of uh, a p a police chiefs, firefighters, cowboys, nurses, ballerinas. And which one and, would you be? And think, <laughs> the ballerina? Clearly the ballerina. Uh, yeah, exactly. With good financial sense. With good I mean, financial this is a ballet sense. company that would, that would last really When you were in high school. We must turn a profit. Yeah. Uh, when we were in high school, you know. In high school, actually, I thought I was going to go into journalism. Okay. So I went, I, I, went to, I, went, I went to a college that had a very good journalism school. And then about a year and a half in, I realized, well, I was paying for half the school. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, I, you, know, um, you know, is that all there is for my mm -hmm. money's worth? Mm -hmm. And I opened up the, the, um, the major book, and I found that there was something else that also interested me, that and the finance. It, sp it spoke to me. I wasn't a great math student in high school or junior high school, mm -hmm. but once I got to college and I took a course in statistics, mm -hmm. once they put a dollar sign in front of the number, yeah. oh my goodness, right? very, well, it, it spoke to me immediately. Because for me, I mean, when I think about high school geometry, the only practical uh, use I have ever gotten out of geometry is it taught me how to cut a pizza. Okay? <laughs> or point A to point B is a straight line. That was... Well, and Home Depot has these tools now that does the geometry for you, and you're, and you're not doing many proofs now, so... Well, it's funny, and statistics is usually the kind of class that weeds people out. Mm -hmm. You went, oh my God, this is incredible! Except, listen, I would have been weeded out of kindergarten. You couldn't graduate kindergarten until you knew how to tie your shoes or tell time. Now they've got Velcro and digital. Yeah. So, slip-ons. I don't know that I would have made it past kindergarten in today's no. day and age, but you're absolutely right. It really spoke to me, mm -hmm. and that's that, 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 that got me on... The path, yep. and and although in the summer I spent a lot of uh, in my internships I spent a lot of time in in, in um, journalism and and in communications. When it came time to working, I I, I jumped right at you. Know, no one knew there was no such thing as financial planning uh -huh. back in the early '80s. No one knew what that meant. You bought your insurance from your insurance person, your bonds from your bond mm -hmm. person, your stock from your stock mm -hmm. person. This was a whole new idea back then. So I said, this makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. to me. And I and and I, I always wanted to have a career where I could make a difference in people's lives. That was super important to me. Yeah. So that that you know I, I'm not going to solve world peace. Not going to solve the, the hunger, the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Not going to solve the Mideast peace price, uh, problem. But if I could meet people, make a difference in their lives, help them, and along the way, uh, you know, they pay me as well. Wow, that was that would be tremendous. And, so, and 35 years in, have you gotten those testimonials? Have you seen it for yourself that you uh, are it, helping it, people? Ab absolutely. It, it is tremendously satisfying to hold a baby the week it's born and 18 years old, 18 years later, give back the money that the parents help set away for the, that huh. child's uh, uh, college yeah. and, and be able to do that. I've been I have the privilege of attending weddings, uh, and, and unfortunately, I've been there you know, at funerals, it's not yeah. fun. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it is the circle of life. Uh, and, and, and rather than be one thing to many, many people, I try to be uh, a, a special person in, in certain people's lives. So earlier on in our show, Adam and I were talking about, Adam D and I were talking about our very first job that we ever had in terms of, uh, we thought it'd be a good uh, intro in terms of the bank of dad and responsibility and working. What was the first job that you had? The very first job I had, I was a paper boy. Hmm. That's that's a thing of the past. There is there are no papers. Yeah. Hey man, what's a newspaper? So you so were... I was a paper boy, but mm -hmm. I I can still remember at age I think fourteen, um, going down to the town hall. I was uh, and and I lied about my age. Told them I was sixteen. They gave me working papers because uh, you Be know. Be careful! They would have sent you overseas with a gun in your hand. Well, that would have been eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So fortunately, I said I want to work. They gave me the working paper. They signed off on it. My parents signed off on it. Next thing I know, I was selling shoes. 
and and then and then what and then at the time we were very close to a major shopping center, mm -hmm. so I could actually walk to that shopping center. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you know anything about a shopping center, um, there may be one Cinnabon, yeah, and there be one Macy's, yeah. but there's a lot of shoe stores. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I need shoes. So uh, I started I started selling shoes, and I actually enjoyed it. It was That's a lot fantastic. of fun. So, but the paper, quick, the paper was it on your bike with the oh, absolutely the on the bike, just it, whipping papers it, left it, and right. It, exactly right. Did you ever have that one kind of parent that you had a hard time? You had to collect the money too. That was back then. Collecting money was very, very challenging. Yeah, very challenging. That one, you actually threw the paper on the roof just because you wanted to... No, I always <laughs> delivered the service because I, cause I remember everyone in the neighborhood knew who my parents were. Uh. <laughs> Something good happens, <laughs> nothing happens. You Did go. you put the paper Kind of like the offensive lineman <laughs> job. Yeah, you, know, you, only get, you only get noticed if yeah, something right, bad happens. Right, right. <laughs> you lit up the sack. Did you put the paper on the porch or the driveway? Oh, right up on the porch. On I want to porch, deliver because yeah. on, the, on the hope that the few people would appreciate the additional service would give and me a And give you a couple tip. of bucks, right, at the uh, holiday season? Correct. Mm -hmm. And back then, a buck was worth something. A buck was yeah. a buck. Yeah. Very nice. So, uh, tell us more about the book. Well, it, 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 it's, it's born out of a couple of ideas. First of all, our clients have been giving us feedback for years that, hey, Harris, you and Greg really do a good job of telling us stories and making it all make sense for us. You really need to write them down. Mm -hmm. So as we thought about writing them down, the first thing we did was we wanted to check out, uh, if you will, the canon of financial writing and more mm -hmm. specifically the canon of retirement planning mm -hmm. uh, writing. Mm -hmm. And what we learned is that there's very little actually written specifically about the 401k and 403b plan. And while no one needs another finance book, there's 75 million Americans that are trying to figure out their retirement as we mm -hmm. speak. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, there's really no books, all, save one. There was one book written about 20 years ago, um, very interesting uh, book called 401ks for Dummies, as you would surmise. Here's a couple problems with the book, though. 300 pages long. No one, unless you're a divinity student today, is reading a 300-page <laughs> book. Yeah. And just like newspapers, anybody under the age of 30 is going to be, hey, man, what's a book? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but nonetheless, um, there, there really, there was, it's 300 pages long. It was written, I believe, in early 2000. So mm -hmm. you're talking about four or five presidents ago, three, yeah. three or four tax changes ago, two yeah. market crashes ago. Oh, wow. It's never yeah. been updated. What could mm -hmm. go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Uh, plenty even, relevant, plenty and, relevant. And, and it's largely out of print. You can buy it on Amazon, of course, but by the time the book arrives, you've forgotten what your question was. Yeah. So we said, well, can we, can we write a straightforward book? Mm -hmm. Can we write it in English? Mm -hmm. Because people don't want to read about in jargon. They don't want to, you know, you, you get, you, we started looking at some of these books and on page 20, you have the word standard deviation. Oh, so it starts going into the, the nomenclature that's used in the profession, and this is not for somebody so It becomes who, a working glossary. Yeah, people want to read it in English. Yeah. We don't, mm -hmm. They don't want to know it's standard. You, you read a book, and you get the word standard deviation or inverted yield curve, and you're like, check, please. I'm out. I was yeah. told there'd be no math on this test. Yeah. <laughs> so we took all of that kind of lingo and verbiage mm -hmm out of the book, and that's right. what led us to the name ah. of the book. It's called Common Financial Sense because it is. That everything in here is going to make perfect sense to you. And the real one question to you is, how come somebody hasn't taken the time to explain this to me this way ever before? And so why do you think that's the case? Why has no one actually done this? I mean, you would think that it would make sense, but it took you and Greg to figure this out. Well, I think a lot of people in our industry uh, like to hide behind the big words. Mm -hmm. because I know this, you don't, therefore mm -hmm. you have to give me your money ah, and trust yeah, me. Yeah. So that's part of it. Uh, and then in, so, in some sense, some of the more complicated things, I don't think the advisors necessarily understand themselves. Yeah. But this is this is what they've been shoved down their throat, so it's got to come out the other end. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens sometimes. And there are other people who really just feel that they're comfortable in that, in that space. Gotcha. But again, 
we live in a world where people are not speaking what I refer to as financial ease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most people are speaking English, yeah. not financial ease. And financial ease is, quite simply, anytime you're in a, you're in a room and CNBC is on mm -hmm. or, uh, or, anyone, or Bloomberg or any one of the financial shows are on, you see their lips are moving and it sounds so much like English, mm -hmm. but it really makes... I just go to the next channel. It really makes no sense <laughs> to like, most people. No Some guy's up there screaming. But that's you've also created a whole different stratosphere. It's like, this is an exclusive language that we speak, and we're speaking down I want to, to listen. I want the, to watch. The common, the common person who's trying to make a living, trying to get by, trying to sock away as much as they can. And as you say, they don't speak in that terminology. So it sounds to me like the book is for... Me. I hate using, well, I hate using the lowest common denominator. Me. I, I think that that's you know, it's a little discriminatory. But it, it's for probably the, the average would-be investor, right? Or the average would-be saver. Exactly, because everybody has to deal with their retirement. At some point, they've got to confront the fact that if it's going to be, it's up to me. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to figure it out for themselves. How am I going to do this? Yes, we do believe that Social Security is going to be there, mm -hmm. and we think, but it, but it's not going to be everything. The average Social mm -hmm. Security payout is about $1,600 a month. It's going to be very difficult to get yeah. by on that. Uh, the corporate pension, as we know, for the most part, are gone. Some public pensions exist. But for the most part, you're going to need to save on your own to get from here to there. Yeah. But what what are some of the the highlights of the book? Like, if you could reference a chapter that was one of your favorites, or you you felt you know would have the most impact, take us through you know one or two of the passages. Uh, I, I would say the most impactful information we have to to share. And when I tell people if there was one chapter they read, it would be chapter eight, which is basically what you can control versus mm -hmm. what you can't control. Mm -hmm. Now we spend almost all of our energy when it comes to picking out from that investment list, uh, spending time uh, worrying about the stuff we can't control. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's gonna happen with this companies. We don't know what's gonna happen with this mutual fund. We don't know what's gonna happen with the stock market. We don't know what's gonna happen with our economy. We don't yeah. know what's gonna happen with the politics. Uh, and, and, and you get overwhelmed, like, I don't know what to do. I'm you getting fold, stressed you, out just thinking. You fold the whole folder up. I find myself going gray. And, <laughs> and, and, and you say, no, thank you. But the fact of the matter is, most of what we can't control mm -hmm. has no importance either. Yeah. Okay. What's important is because why? Because we spend a lot of time worrying. We spend a lot of time doubting. Did we make the right decision? Um, and 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 there's a great Irish proverb: "Worry is interest paid on a debt not yet incurred." Hmm. Worry is interest paid on a debt not yet incurred. So we've got no control over that stuff. Yeah. Okay, but what do we have control over? We've got control over our own behavior to not worry, to not have to, to have patience. My goodness, right? To have some patience. Okay, so you, everyone's looking for the great investment, the quick, the, the next the get rich thing, right? quick, or, or, the, or whatever, whatever great investment's going to yeah. take them, you know, to the next level. Granted, okay. you can exactly. afford the next great investment. Because I remember when <laughs> Pfizer came out with Viagra. Like, yeah. Everybody who was interested in investing yeah. couldn't afford it, or yeah. they could only afford a few shares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, here, here's the thing about trying. I brought to, up Viagra, Randy, because I know you could relate. Well, because so I'm that of that age, so, and yeah. sorry, didn't, blue, didn't mean to interrupt. But it was. I got to tell you, it was creeping and crawling in my head, and if I didn't get it that out, it keeps on giving. Indeed. <laughs> okay, and we're back in the guardrails. <laughs> I, I sorry guys, I, that that image just uh, took me away. Yeah. <laughs> so what you can control versus what you can't control. Yes. So we spend a lot of time. You're looking for that great investment yeah. in essence. And the great the bad news, not a lot of great investments. And when they mm -hmm. do exist, they rarely reveal themselves to you as a great investment at mm -hmm. that point. So here's the really good news: get over it. Don't mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. fall into that garbage that you read on these financial ease mm -hmm. uh, magazines and shows. You don't need a great investment. Mm -hmm. You just need a good one. And guess what? There are a lot of good investments out there. They're, they're everywhere. You see them everywhere. Mm -hmm. You use their products. You use their services. 
tremendous amount of good investments. You just need good investments. Here's what you need great. You need great behavior, and that's something you can control. What is a what is a great behavior? Harris? A great behavior, first of all, is 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 having patience. You got to have mm -hmm. patience. You got to be willing to realize that that the market, like a tide, ebbs and flows. It it's goes a up. Process. It goes up. It goes down. But it always goes up again. You know, history never repeats itself, but it often rhymes. Every one to three years, the market's going to go through what's called a correction. The market's going to mm -hmm. go down 10%. Guys, it happens all the time, but every time it happens, people have a memory like a goldfish. Instead, so the goldfish has a memory, a perfect memory for 30 seconds, then loses all its memory and starts over again. So every time it happens, people feel like it's happening to them for the first time. Right. It's going to happen like clockwork. Every one to three years, every three to five years, there's going to be something called a bear market where the market loses 20% mm -hmm. or more. Again, every time it happens, people freak out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This happened a few years ago. In fact... It happened twice in 2018 alone because the markets come back. Yep. Everyone's forgotten about mm -hmm. it already. No one, really? The market went down 20%? Yes, it did. Yep. Look it up. Uh, so this is real stuff. Every five to 10 years, the wheels are going to fall off the wagon. We're Now we're ordering off the menu. The market could go down 30, 40, or 50%. It happens. And again, people freak out. But remember, it is it is it is always come back. It's never not come back. It goes up. It goes down. It goes up again. So... I do a lot of coaching in the human resources world, and this is a very timely interview because I'm about to head down to Florida to run an orientation, and I'll be speaking about the benefits. What's one of the highlighted benefits in the portfolio? The retirement plans, right? 401k, 403b, 401a. I mentioned those last two because now mm -hmm. I work for a nonprofit. profit Every time I do this orientation, and I bring up 403b and 401a, right? Which is the 403b is essentially the nonprofit, the, the nonprofit 401k, mm -hmm. We don't call it a 401k because 403bs are for organizations that don't have a profit, yeah. so they're not you know, matching. And then the 401a is our version of a pension plan. So I get really excited about it because I, I feel like I have to evangelize the importance of planning for retirement, whether it's 6% or 2% or 10 whatever it is, put something away. And then I get eye rolls, I get people that are on their phone, and I, I consider myself a pretty good presenter, Harris, and you've seen me <laughs> present, so, so you know what I bring. But when it comes to this subject matter, people turn away probably for one of the reasons that you mentioned, and that is the, the intelligence factor. Not that people aren't smart, but maybe they don't, just don't have the knowledge or the education. Well, they, do. They, just, they just don't care to be smart about this. But, but They're that, smart that's, people. that's part A, and I can get through that. Part B is this. When I talk to people after the orientation, they say, look, I love how passionate you were about talking about the 403B and the 401A, but hey, I'm a single mom, I'm a nurse, I'm a home health aide, and I'm just trying to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. So I'm living um, in the penny, now. pennies by in the, the day, now. in the now, in the now. Right. And, right. I, and I hope to win the lottery one day, which I would say, and Harris would probably agree, not sound financial planning, mm -hmm. scratch off tickets, not sound financial planning. So even if you put it just to something, something small, you're at least, you at least have, quote unquote, an insurance policy for, for your retirement. And you're, and you're going to have to stop working at some point. It, it, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll say this. There are three excellent reasons to not contribute to a retirement plan. If, you can, if you're having difficulty putting food in your family's belly, this is not for you. If you're having trouble putting a roof over their heads, this is not for you. If you're having trouble putting clothing on your family's back, this is not for you. Those are three excellent reasons to not be in the plan. You got to get to Friday. You got to mm -hmm. get to payday. Forget about so, the end so of the month. So you empathize with that. Absolutely. Those mm -hmm. are three. And this is not for you. You're not ready for this yet. You got to mm -hmm. get past this. But for to everyone else who is making rent, is putting food in their belly, and is, and has a and and has uh, some clothes on their back, um, 
everything else really is just an excuse. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to be harsh, but okay, so, and by the way, you, you, it's a scary uh, proposition. You're going to need to put away about 15% of what you earn in order to be able to live in retirement the way you're living right now. Mm -hmm. and, and no one has 15%, yeah. but uh, I would like to quote you know, one of my favorite communists, uh, uh, <laughs> Mao Zedong says that the longest walk begins, the longest journey begins with the first, first step. step. Mm -hmm. So I say to you, start with 1%. Mm -hmm. Go a year at 1% and then go to 2% and then the 3%. Before you know it, you're cooking with steam and it's a good habit and it's, and it's, it's already working for you. Let's say you don't even have 1%, okay? And I don't mean to drive your HR department crazy here. Mm -hmm. Start with a dollar. Start with $1 and every week increase it by $1. And at the end of the year, you're putting actually almost $1,300 away. Mm -hmm. And if you don't increase from that point on, you're still going to have over $250,000 if you're 25 years uh, old. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a, it's, a point, it's an example I, I, I put in the book. And to make yourself accountable, gamify it. Um, Randy, what does YOLO mean? You only live once. You only live once. Yes. Um, Adam, is YOLO expensive or inexpensive? I would imagine that YOLO would be expensive. Of course it's expensive. Unless you, yeah, with little sprinkles on top of it, and it comes with a sugar cone. Well, you're only, you're, you're, if you're only living once, you're, you're shooting for the moon. Absolutely. You know? well, and, and what it, YOLO is usually the, the, the emotional justification for doing something when? Once. Right now. Right now, yeah. right? Now, right? And so, and, and I get it, and I understand. We all want a YOLO, and we all, we all want to have, have that experience. Got that. Um, all right, so I, I, I quizzed Randy before. Adam, what does FOMO mean? Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Is fear of missing out, Randy? Is fear of missing out expensive or inexpensive? Uh, well, it's probably expensive because if you, you base your life on fear, you're not going to do certain things when... Fear of missing out is more expensive yeah. than YOLO. So is yeah. this keeping up with the Joneses? Is FOMO keeping FOMO up with the FOMO is more expensive than YOLO. And, and, you yeah. know, and you know what created all this? Social media. Mm. Because where is the YOLO happening? Online. It's well. not happening on Pleasant Valley Way. <laughs> YOLO is happening in Cancun, the Caymans... Wherever mm -hmm. it ain't happening, Vegas people taking pictures and showing it on their social it's media. It's not happening here. I gotta do that too. They're yeah. doing it. I gotta do it. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like us. Yes. So why shouldn't we be doing that? Fear yeah. of missing out is more expensive than y'all because you first have to lay down the money to get yeah. to where all your friends are yoloing yeah. to start your yoloing. And I'm not begrudging. This is this is life. Why do we work so we can have these yolo experiences and all that? Got that. Mm -hmm. But tell me one thing, guys. Mm -hmm. What are we gonna yolo with when we retire? I say this. I will YOLO with myself. Uh, <laughs> there, there's the Viagra reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do I always have to be the moral yeah, compass? Yeah. So, <laughs> there's a joke. I will not go there. Yeah. Okay, but uh, the fact we're all about YOLO and we're all mm -hmm. about FOMO. But we ask another question in the book: Hipter. 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 How do you, can you spell that? H Y P T H I R. Hipter. I think you're really making this up now. How are you paying for that in retirement? Ah, okay. Uh, Maybe there's the rock. How are you paying for Wait, that in retirement? I, I see you got that. And we so, knew YOLO, we knew FOMO, and you knew you would get us on hipster. Well, part of me being a student every day is I get to also perhaps okay. educate people every here and now. So we say hipster. How are you paying for that in retirement? So we want you to be able to YOLO tomorrow also. Mm -hmm. So I got it. Spend the dollars today, but take the quarters, dimes, and nickels. Put them in the piggy mm -hmm. bank for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about our, our kids. Now, in your travels... Do you get a sense that parents are talking to their kids about sound financial planning and you know how how they went about their 401k and how they went through their tax deferred uh, retirement? Plans? Well, it depends on the age of the kids. You know, yeah. I, I think parents have a there's always a complicated relationship between parents and their kids and money, right? I mean, when your kids are in their 
early teens, which is the first experience where the kid, children are trying to go out on their own and, and ask for some money. So as parents, we all know that that's where $20 bills go to die. Yes. And, and their later teens, it's where $50 bills go to die. And by the time they get to college, it's where $100, $100 bills Benji's. go to die. And bad news, guys, once they graduate college, the requests come in more infrequently. But I promise you, they're ordering off the menu. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to brace yourself. Like, here comes the big one, Elizabeth. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I know that dates me, but there you go. Uh, uh, so, but uh, that that so 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 that's the initial relationship between, and then and then the next relationship comes in. You know, well, what's the money? Sometimes it's what's the money for, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Or I need these vans. I assure yeah. you that when they're asking for those very expensive sneakers, they already have mom and dad saw to it. Most likely that you've got adequate footwear. Uh, on your feet already yeah. mm -hmm. so well, you need them hmm. uh, or I need that coach bag or I need whatever that material item is and I'm not being pejoratively about any brand or yeah, any, anything yeah. but they need do you need it or, or do you want well, it yeah, the need want story the right? need want story right because <laughs> because the that versus thing is so crucial like it, we use words interchangeably like need and want like, mm -hmm. like simple and easy yes right oh that's so simple that's so easy well no simple and easy are two different things mm -hmm. yeah all right and then uh other, the, the question is, is you, whether you realize it or not, we all have our own personal money value system. Mm -hmm. what, I, uh, what I would advise uh, the dads out there is to be aware of what yours is, identify mm -hmm. it, be aware of it, because that's what you're passing down to your kids. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's important as dad. I mean, you're a dad. You've got kids. Um, they're, they're older kids. How much of the information that you have here in the book and everything else, you know, how much have you, they taken on in terms of what you share in terms of your knowledge and them as being your kids? Well, uh, interestingly enough, when we actually first sat down to write the book, we thought of an audience of four. My two kids and Greg's two kids. All right. We said to ourselves, if something ever happened to us, we want to leave behind a primer to our kids about so our, money, it's a book for our, kids. our money values yeah. and how we'd want mm -hmm. them to invest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's how the whole thing started, mm -hmm. actually. But um, but but I, I we hope that they've they they've gotten certain things. There's certain mantras I repeat them. I love to spend money. I hate to waste it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't mind paying a fair price for mm -hmm. something. Don't rip me off. Mm -hmm. um, all basic things. I think I think those are pretty universal. Mm -hmm. uh, I've yet to meet the person who goes, yeah, I'd love to pay more mm -hmm. than I have to. <laughs> but like and, what you said about you, you're meeting people where they are. You know, you, you realize that, you know, these are people who are reading this, that, you know, probably educated in some way, right? In, you know, university education or maybe they're educated on the job or just they, they know something, right? You know, they, they've had the experience of putting certain ideas together to make something happen either professionally or, or socially. So you're, you're starting with that and you're kind of meeting them where they are. True. And I guess the subversive part of the book is that most of these books are targeting business owners. Oh, okay. This book doesn't. Yeah, we're yeah. targeting the employees. Uh -huh. uh, you know, there's only two kinds of employers, right? Mm -hmm. There's the ones that look at their employees as their greatest asset, mm -hmm. and the ones that look at their employees as their greatest liability. Like, Either yeah, way, okay. every mm -hmm. night at five o'clock, out the door they go. You yeah. hope like heck they come back the next day, right? Mm -hmm. So we learned over time just by doing analysis of who it is our uh, who our four hundred one k clients and four hundred three b clients are. Virtually every one of our employers mm. really, really cares about their employees. Mm -hmm. They are paternalistic, maternalistic. They are like mama and papa, a bear looking out for their cubs. Mm -hmm. So we knew that if we wrote a book geared towards the employees, it would actually resonate with the employers. So it's like a guidebook for the professional because, yeah. because, because we're, we're, the we're, they realize that we have created something special and different. They're the ones that actually appreciate it the most. So we didn't set out to be 
uh, counterculture here, but mm -hmm. but but we did see the fact that there were no books written for the average employee. That was our beginning premise. Right. But the the bonus was that our our clients and now new people that we're meeting really they look at this and it's a difference maker. The the passion that you have really I'm. I am. I'm really proud of what you put together, and uh, I think it's so important. Thank you very much. Greg and I are real proud of what of, of what it, we did tell everybody who got involved with the project. Look, our name's going to be on the front of the cover, yeah. mm -hmm. so we're not going to put anything that we're not uh, happy with. But Albert Einstein said it best. If you can't explain it simply, mm -hmm. then you yourself don't understand it well enough at yeah. all. Mm -hmm. I think in addition, you should write a book of quotes. <laughs> they're quotes, I, I they're quotes, they're quotes in every chapter. Every yeah. chapter starts off with Excellent. a pithy quote. I did not know Mao Zedong was the one that... Talked about the, yeah. the journey. I mean, of basically, this, this whole podcast, I'm delivering tomorrow an orientation. But no, listen, I've got, I've got very some advice. Books, but I did not know that it was Mao Zedong that yeah. said a journey starts a thousand feet. Yeah, so I, now I kind of understand this. I thought this it was going to be someone far more reputable, but yes. I do I do like <laughs> the sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Well, my, my favorite quote in the book is from Will Rogers. It's uh, when we're talking about the Roth 401k option, uh -huh. which is whether you pay taxes now or pay yeah. taxes later, but it's a tax issue and so the quote there is the only difference between death and taxes is that death doesn't get any worse every time congress meets <laughs> good stuff so harris let's talk about where one can find the book and then we'll do a little bit of dad vice yes. which is our advice corner uh the book is called common financial sense obviously you're one of the authors harris nidick and greg mikowski uh where can we pick this up book is uh readily picked up again on kindle uh on, on amazon.com you can pick up a, a hard copy of, of a paperback soft cover uh, book uh, on, on Amazon.com, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com. All right, so all of the major all channels. The major all the major stage. channels. Yeah, excellent. So we have this segment that we wrap up every interview with called Dadvice. Dadvice. You may have heard that tune before. So, right? Dad, chief <laughs> yes. of the house. Correct. So, uh, so you could take this anywhere you want. It could be just general dad advice. It could be dad advice coming from a financial professional. We'll, we'll throw it to you. Uh, I would say the, the most difficult challenge as a dad bringing up kids is trying to achieve work-life balance. And that mm -hmm. means something different for everybody. I'm not, I'm not here to preach on what works or what doesn't work. If I knew what worked, perhaps the book would have been written about that. Uh, but I will tell you this. Your kids are going to grow up with memories. It's very important that you're in them. Excellent. Very nice. Harris Nidick, again, uh, co-author of Common Financial Sense, our guest on Bad to the Dad. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is a blast. This Thanks, is a Harris. lot of fun. We are Bad to the Dad. Download us wherever you find podcasts. We are Bad to the Dad with Coach Randy and Adam D. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram at Bad to the Dad and on our website, badtothedad.com, where you'll see pictures of our guest and his book. Of course, our guest was Harris Nidick, and the book that he co-wrote with Greg Mikowski is Common Financial Sense. Randy, what I really loved is the, the rational notion that not everybody is a financial genius speaking <laughs> with the financial glossary yeah. and, and the convoluted terms. He really brought it to very explainable, very understandable terminology, and we recommend that you pick up the book wherever you find books, Common Financial Sense. I, I love his passion, uh, and I love the fact that he really is in the business for what he wants to do in serving people. What I found the most interesting is that he went into college with this passion about journalism, mm -hmm. and then 
decided, I don't know, and took statistics. I mean, it's not an easy class. Yeah. And that's the class that generally people get weeded out. They get knocked out. Yeah. And he said, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. Uh, this is what I want to be. And as we just found out, uh, his son now is has joined him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a chance to work with his son uh, in his business. And uh, just a sweet, amazing, incredible human being. Yeah. It must be rewarding to work with one of your kids. Mm-hmm. In the same business, because it just goes to show you did something right, right? You uh, were a great example. You were mm-hmm. a great role model in the uh, chosen profession, yeah. right? That 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 you wanted to pursue, and your kids were watching, and they saw something about that. They saw that that glimmer, that excitement mm-hmm. that you had, and 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 they want to pursue that too. So we love to have. I loved having Harris uh, on our show, and uh, again, the book Common Financial Sense. Now, next week is another week. Which means it's time for another podcast. Another now, podcast. That's funny. You know, we've had the entertainers on. We've yes. had the basketball players. Yes. Uh, we had somebody uh, on today, of course, in Harris that we thought was really important because it was educational. Mm-hmm. Some great life lessons. Mm-hmm. Yes, some great self-help. Mm-hmm. Now we're going back to the entertainers. Now we're going back to the entertainer, right? So my good friend uh, Dave T. Koenig yes. is going to be joining us on an episode that we are going to be calling A Streetcar Named Dad. Yes. Streetcar <laughs> Named Dad. Now, David is an actor. Now, this is not to be confused with David C. Koenig okay. or David R. Koenig. This is David T. Koenig. Now, where have you seen David T. Koenig? You've seen David T. Koenig on shows like Blue Bloods. Ah, You've seen him on The show. Americans. On I love FX. that show. Yes. You have seen him on The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Is it Maisel or, or Maisel? Well, I think if you're Jewish, it's Maisel. All right. But everyone else is calling him Maisel. <laughs> yes. So Marvelous Miss Maisel, he, he plays a doorman. Yeah. Also, uh, voice some characters in video games. One of the hottest video games out there now is Red Dead Redemption 2. It's a Western. But it's, well, it's, it's they, a story. They go, they shoot, it's a shoot em up. First, uh, yeah. first person shooter yeah. when you're robbing trains and you're yeah. living like an outlaw. So he plays one of the characters on uh, in that video game. So he's, I'm sure he's got a lot of stories to tell. College to buddy of mine. College friend. Yeah, he was right? the uh, he was the program director of WRHU. Uh, shout out to RHU, which U.S. News and World Report uh, named this the number one college radio station in the country. And yet another great guest that you have found for us. David T. Koenig is next week. Again, we want to thank Harris Nidick, our guest today. That's it for Bad to the Dad this week. Thank you, dads, and have a great week. We are Bad to the Dad.